Hey guys, before we get started today, I want to send you to reformcon.org to tell you about a conference we are speaking at. It is happening October 27th through the 29th in Mesa, Arizona. Yes, obviously we will be there and there is a series of other wonderful speakers. Uh, We'll have Toby Sumter. Jeff Durbin, your dad, Summer. Yes. Uh, I'm really excited for David Bonson, uh, Joe Boot, Andrew Sandlin, John Sampson, Ben Merkel, and more. Um, there on the website, you can also find uh, ticket information. There are family packages, uh, general admission, child admission. There is a VIP after party event that you can also purchase tickets to, as well as information on the hotel that the event is being held at. So that is all at reformcon.org, and we're excited to meet you guys there. Yep, come see us. Have you had your soup today? The cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to our episode of Sheologians. We're here today to put the she in haberdasheries. Oh, okay. Because there's a she and a her, actually. Haberdasheries. Mm-hmm. But also a she. It's a real word. It is. And I didn't make it up. No, you did not. And um, I'm pretty sure I might have said haberdasher before. But this is a different word because haberdashery is a different word. And also it's where they, isn't it where they make hats? Yeah. Okay. A haberdasher is the person who makes hats. Okay. And then a haberdashery is a pro- place that sells get hats. hats. Mm-hmm. I don't like hats. But anyway, here we are. We're going to put the she in that. Put the she in the hats. And the her. This is not the head covering episode. Uh, my name is Summer Yeager. I'm here with my beautiful co-host Joy and... um. I'm going to tell you a story okay. about this thing I've been going through. All right. For the last, well, probably since like 2008. <laughs> I'm amazed I haven't heard about this yet. Yeah. Sometimes we don't realize that we've been going through something. Right. So, uh, you know, growing up, I always had headaches. Mm-hmm pretty common to have headaches yeah i was in a few car accidents whiplash you know just general Mm -hmm. headaches and in about 2008 i was like i'm gonna ignore all the things this most likely is and i'm going to find myself a pillow that's going to fix all my problems Right. And um, so, you know, this was like I had a job. It was like my first year of college. And, you know, when like you have your job and you're in your first year of college and you just really feel like you can figure things out. That was how I felt when Mm -hmm. I went on this search for this pillow. And all that to say, I found a pillow, a moderately priced pillow. I can't remember. Probably 30 bucks. And it was like a a knockoff memory foam. Memory foam was really becoming popular around this yes. time. But I know that sounds crazy to some of you that memory foam wasn't always no, around. It wasn't. But but true memory foam was like $80. Yes. And like I said, 
I was a college student, so yes. I bought off a not I bought a knockoff memory foam pillow at Target. And it was like one of the ones that had like a contour because I'm a side sleeper. Yeah. So like, mm-hmm. you know, it would support your neck and yeah. your ear would go into it or whatever. Okay. Well, this pillow changed my life. Okay. Okay. And I was like, this is it. This is my pillow. This is going to, this is, you know. Now, did I still get headaches? Yes. But not as often, honestly. Okay. And I felt like I was sleeping better and I was sold on this pillow. Well, Roundabouts 2014, right? I've had the pillow for five years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's starting to degrade a little bit because yeah. honestly, it wasn't memory foam. Like it was kind of like a sponge. <laughs> to be yeah, to be perfectly honest with you. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm in a different stage of life. I'm a mother. I'm married. I'm like, I'm gonna replace the pillow. I'm gonna get a real memory foam pillow. Mm-hmm. This is this is what I'm gonna do. Um. So I buy this pillow, this very, I mean, it, it was expensive. I think I probably spent like 70 bucks on it. Okay. Which, you know, is expensive, I think, for, for a, a pillow. pillow. Yes. Now, do you use a pillow eight hours a day? Yeah. You know, if you think about it, one of your most used items. Pillow. Is your pillow. Mm-hmm. Um, arguably, potentially your most used item, except for like your clothing. But anyway. Right. That's besides the point. So... <clears throat> <clears throat> for the first time in five years you should check out the prices on memory foam pajamas though <laughs> very expensive <laughs> outrageous over the top so i buy this pillow nice pillow i wake up the next morning with a migraine that I, from just absolute the depths of hell i mean yeah. it was I couldn't move my neck. It was like my body didn't just reject the new pillow. It was like I was in active protest. Yes. And so I literally (laughs) at some point that day, once I could function again, which was much later in the day, like as I was not okay, I threw that pillow underneath my bed and didn't touch it (laughs) ever again. Okay. And I got my sponge pillow, my cheap Target sponge Worn pillow out. back out. Uh-huh. This is 2014, mind you. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Have the I... pillow's already seen some days. The pillow's seen some days. This is 2014. Um, I've been using that pillow. You still have that pillow? Hold on. I'm only halfway through the story. It's not memory foam anymore. It's just made of skin cells. It's not even a sponge anymore, dude. Like this pillow, it doesn't even have support. Like the neck support. It's made of you. I know. <laughs> That's why you like but it. Joy, I was so traumatized by what happened in 2014. And Every the time migraine. you walked down a pillow aisle, you were like, no, they're all no, trying to I'll hurt just, me. I'll just stay with my other one. So what I've done is aggressively washed it right. for like the last decade, uh-huh. almost decade. I'm realizing right now as I say this because it's 2022. Um, pillows are expensive too. It's it's hard to prioritize replacing pillows because you have to replace by the time you're married and have kids. You're talking about replacing like at least six pillows. Which is pricey. It, it's there. It's, it's expensive. And it, th- that but price also, kind of pushes time, it down to the bottom of the to-do list. The last time that I replaced my pillow, I almost died. So, like... There's that, too. <laughs> I've had this, like, fear of even trying another pillow. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's where the story gets a little weird. So... <laughs> So, you know, every day I'd wake up and that old, <laughs> that pillow that gave me the migraine was Staring on my bed. <laughs> it just, 
I don't know. When I leave the room, it crawls back up there. I'm not sure exactly what I did with that pillow, but I'm almost positive it ended up in a dumpster because... I was I was like I can't even gift this to somebody. It's floating this pillow on is a trash barge to this day, as it should be. Like honestly, plotting sink its it revenge to the bottom of the ocean, legit. Okay, so so I have had one pillow in my whole adulthood that has never let me down. Right, and I have been although I tried to break up with it once, it didn't work out, and I went crawling back. Yeah, and I've used that pillow ever since. Now. You know, I used to have to come down here right. to record mm-hmm. and I would stay at my parents' house. Well, one time, one night when I was staying at my parents' house, um, after a recording day, a Sheologian's recording day, um, my parents were out of town. They were like on a trip or something. And um, I hope he never listens to this. I I knew my dad had a memory foam pillow. <laughs> If you guys are thinking about tagging him in this episode, you're fired. <laughs> that's Get betrayal. Out. Get out. That's betrayal. So I knew my dad had a memory foam pillow because that's who he is. And I was like, not just a memory no, foam pillow. I, he has the best memory that, foam that's pillow. That's what I knew it had to be true. Right. And so I went. We probably actually need him on the show we, for to his. tell us. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, absolutely. Like, I already knew. The next knew time this. he's on, we have to ask him about it. Well, Hold on. So, so I borrowed, I put a different pillowcase on it because I okay. knew he would absolutely die if I just like <laughs> used his pillow. Okay. But I put a different pillowcase on it and I was like, let's see how I sleep tonight. Yeah. Let's see. Because the last time I tried this, I it was a near death experience <laughs> and I don't know. Okay. So I woke up the next morning with basically a brand new neck from how healing this pillow was to my spine, okay? Like, it was life-altering, all right? It was, I mean, I slept. I didn't, here's the deal. The position I fell asleep in was the position I woke up in. Which means you just rested. That is how soundly I slept on this pillow. So anyway, I won't tell you what happened every time he's out of town. Anyway, um, (laughs) so, so... So we get to this part of the story. So my birthday's in January and mm-hmm. Eric was asking me, what do you want for your birthday? And I was like, I want my dad's pillow. The life changing <laughs> like, pillow. That's what I want. I want that pillow. It's time for me to retire this sponge <laughs> I've been sleeping on <laughs> since 2008. It can't, it hardly survives the washer anymore. Like it would come right. out like smaller. No, it's becoming a necessity at this point. Like I have to have a different pillow. So <clears throat> Eric asked my dad, which I wish I could have seen this conversation. Like, where'd you get your pillow? Like, what? <laughs> sir, sir, tell me more about your pillow. Anyway, so Eric gets the information from my dad and he buys me what my dad said, mm-hmm. he, what pillow my dad said he used. And I was super excited because obviously. Yeah. It's time. It's past. You're like I'm every night. <laughs> okay. You're like, I know what it's like to sleep on this for one night occasionally. Yes. But every night sleeping on this. It's going to be amazing. Right. Okay. So the pillow gets to my house and it is not the right pillow or 
Like it's so thick that when I lay on it, my head is like, okay, <laughs> you know, like it's it's doing too much support. It's too it's too it's too big for my neck, and I'm like, this can't be the same pillow. Or my dad's had his pillow for so long, he's like flattened it, and it like right. fit my neck at that point or something. I don't know, but or there's like multiple sizes of this pillow. It just wasn't the same, and so Eric was like, well, I'll use it, and I was like, okay. So he's been using it since January. And then I noticed the other day that it's looking much flatter yeah. <laughs> than it used to. There's an indentation. There's, yeah. It's like, it's not as puffy. And mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, I'm going to try that. Yeah. And um, I was like, oh, that's really comfortable. And I was like, can I have my pillow back? <laughs> so you discovered that that pillow is the life-changing pillow but it really needs, it needs to, be broken to be broken in. in it needs like six months of breaking in before i can use it because otherwise it's just too big for my head and my neck like it just, it's just too much and so because eric is wonderful he was like yeah just and you buy know. me another pillow <laughs> i was like okay great thank you so then super upsetting i find out what happened so I take off the cover because I'm going to wash it. I'm going to make this my pillow. Yeah. And uh, when you take the cover off, it's actually three pieces of memory foam. You can take one out. I was going to say, so I, I have a, fitted it. I have a shredded memory foam pillow that they actually, when you buy it, they give you extra, like a little bag of extra. To adjust the size. Or you can pull some out. Yeah. So I could have done that all But along. they don't tell you. Why don't they should just tell you that it's they adjustable. Just, but they didn't. So... All that to say, I start sleeping with my new pillow and I'm sleeping absolutely fantastically. I'm having the best night of sleep ever. And my husband, (laughs) E, oh, (laughs) he took my sponge pillow (laughs) and he was like, just whenever you can get me another one, just get me another one. I'll just use this until then. (laughs) And um, I woke up yesterday morning. And I open my eyes and he's he's already at work because mm-hmm. he leaves pretty early. And there's my dog <laughs> eating it. <laughs> just like there's chunks of like teeth and just like pieces of sponge. Like all like he's just sitting there with the pillow, just like nomin on this. My pillow now. <laughs> just like eating it. And I don't know, like something, ha- like I look down at this and I'm like, man, how many hours have I slept on that thing? And now it's just like this weird dog toy. No, it's just gone. It's just gone. <laughs> it's just been eaten. Anyway, I've just had such a pillow saga like the last yeah. several years. Um, and uh, all I just say uh, then, so to wrap this all up, I went to Target last night and Eric was like, oh, I did too. Did you? Mm-hmm. It was fun. I hadn't left the house in days. That's what I was. Well, I had left the house, but I was like to go to work. Mm. So I just felt like uh, browsing. Yeah. Well, I needed a couple things. And uh, Eric was like, will you please bring me home a mid-range memory foam pillow? Yeah. And I'm like, absolutely. Because you've been so patient. You've tried so hard to provide me <laughs> With the pillow of my needs. He even... You even worked for six months. broke your pillow in. You, you broke the pillow in for me. <laughs> my hero. And then you slept on the sponge without complaint. The, like, what, 15-year-old sponge? 
without complaining. And then the dog ate it. Yes, I would love to go down the pillow aisle. Sounds like a necessity at that point. For you. And of course, I get down the pillow aisle. And the only memory foam pillow they have that's not $100 is the king size ones. Oh, uh They're just ridiculously sized. And no one... I'm sorry. If you sleep on a king size pillow, I don't know who you are. I don't know what kind of princess. I use it to like. I use it to to like support like my body pillow. Exactly. Because Mm -hmm. anyway, so we still don't have a pillow for him. Oh no! And he's. We're gonna find one. We're gonna find one. Well, yeah. But it's been a saga. It's been a long. It's been a process. It's been a long journey, but um, I'm sleeping great. (laughs) (laughs) I always liked to imagine that we would get to the point where we had um, like customized mattresses that had like an indentation and even if you're a side sleeper it had like a hole that you could like put your arm through that would be so nice why is no one doing that i would love one for pregnant women because i'm a stomach sleeper right so i like can't sleep on my stomach anymore and it's just uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and oh it'd be so nice to have just a giant hole to stick my belly in yes so i could do that right now if i sleep too far on my side he starts like kneeing me he's like then he doesn't like it he does not like it okay he does not appreciate he does no he is not having any of that so the pillow came just in time for me to be firmly on my side (laughs) and not and and if i put like a pillow underneath my stomach like for my stomach to lay on he does Uh not like that he's like Hmm. "Uh uh-uh it's too restrictive. He's not having it. I wonder why he's so particular. I can't. I don't know who he got that from. <laughs> Eric. It's, it's crazy. It's gotta be. It's gotta be. He's just like his dad. It's insane. I regret all the protein I've eaten this pregnancy. He's so strong. <laughs> like he's just, he's too strong in there. Um, and he's been like that since like 20 weeks. Yeah. I just think of the first picture I ever saw of him and <laughs> it was a lot. You guys. He's uh he's gonna be a lot. You know, they say that during wartime more boys are born. Which okay. is interesting because everyone at our church <laughs> yes. is having boys. And Eric was like, I wonder what's about to happen to our church <laughs> because all of you ladies are having Boys. Yep. So Whoa. we're gearing up for something. <laughs> yep. Anyway. Praise God for little boys. Yes. All right. Well, here we go. Here we go. You can leave us a voicemail at 470 465 0475. Don't forget to uh, join book club. I am sure we will hear some opinions on pillows in Absolutely, the voicemail. And everyone has a, an opinion on pillows. Yeah. Because it's a daily. I should say nightly item mm-hmm. that we all have to use. Yeah. Except for pi- pillowless people. Yeah. Some they're people out there. don't do like pillows or mattresses. Yeah. I don't get it. They're like your body's more properly aligned if you just sleep on the ground. But it is your mood. <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't know if I can go back at this point. I don't Like want if to. I was going to be like a ground sleeper, like that was supposed to happen at Long least 25 years ago. I feel like if you're sleeping on the ground, something's wrong. <laughs> well, my husband likes to, he would prefer to sleep on the ground. Something's honestly. wrong. Honestly. Something's happening there. But. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I don't get it. I know something's happening there that I don't understand. I he would probably relate. want just like a slab of wood is our mattress. I don't know, but that sounds horrible. That's just some people. I don't get it. That can't be good for you. <laughs> that cannot be good for you. I don't know. It sounds like you've been brainwashed by Big Pillow. By Big Pillow. <laughs> big mattress has gotten to yeah. me. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, <laughs> you can support us or join book club at patreon.com slash theologians or by going to shop grab a mug, cell phone cover, tote bag, t-shirt. All your anti-feminist gear is there. And uh, I'm going to let you bring us into this one. Okay. Well, of course, I sort of had a topic come to mind. And then when I described it to you, we both had different takes on that topic. So we'll be jumping around as usual. Yep. Um, but I guess basically the summation of this topic is... The best way, uh, since we'll be jumping around, I'm going to sh- just go ahead and say common sense. Okay. Yep. Is the the theme mm-hmm. of our episode mm-hmm. today. Um, my first take on it initially, mm-hmm. it's, I don't know, I feel like it's something that I am learning so much about. And then we're reading um, Total Truth in Book Club and mm-hmm. Nancy Piercy has she's covered when she, she covers a lot of like Darwinian as Darwinian naturalism and things like that in total truth um, and takes it apart. And she describes so much as common sense. And I appreciate that so much because I think we sometimes buy too much into the demand that you be able to, um, like back up everything you say with studies or books or quotes or whatever. Yeah. But the point is, Mm -hmm. is that some stuff, a lot of stuff nowadays (laughs) is really common sense. And if we disagree, not that I can wash my hands of you as a person, but I, uh, for example, if you don't know that murder is wrong, I cannot do the work to teach you that murder is wrong. And there is nothing anti-intellectual about me saying murder is wrong. That's it. Right. That's it. Yes. Um, And it's been a journey. Yeah. Because that's not exactly what we're taught. We're taught that all ideas kind of get a seat at the table. Yeah. Um, That, that the no idea- matter how stupid right and that ideas are sort of um they're they're connected to the very being of the person to the person's value and dignity yeah and so if you discount someone's ideas or if you're not willing to have a rigorous back and forth with them about their idea that you are dismissing their dignity as a human being. Yeah. Um, And that's just not true. No. And I think um, I'm not, I will never, ever, ever encourage anyone to be anti-intellectual. Right. 
Never. Right. I will never encourage anyone to be unreasonable or mean or unwilling to have a conversation. But I think, I don't think, I I think more of our problem Mm -hmm. (laughs) as, uh, as Christians is that we need to just be willing to say, this is true, not I think this is true or this is what I believe. Yep. We can just say just say it. Just say yeah. A woman is a woman. Yeah. Only women have babies. Right. Um murder is wrong right. whether someone is born or not. <laughs> um right. And I think what you're ultimately you and I feel strongly about that because you and I believe that what is right is right. And that's unchanging because our standard is what has God said. And so <clears throat> I'll just, I can give a good example of what you're talking about. Okay. This is going to date the episode. Um, today is June 24th and that's fine. Um, but, you know, what was the thing this morning? It was that the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I said some things on the internet that some people didn't understand um, about Roe versus, not really about Roe versus Wade, but about the, the response response to Roe versus Wade. And since um, some people expressed confusion, I was basically told, delete the post. Delete this because people are confused. There's enough people here that are confused that it needs to be deleted. And the reason I would never do that is because my standard for saying something is not a ratio of people that like it or understand it. Right. I would never delete a post because some people didn't understand it. Right. And there's certainly a difference between not understanding something because it's incoherent and not understanding something because you just don't know what, yeah. What, uh, spurred the creation of the post. It's just, that's not my my standard. And, but I went ahead and I said, okay, well, if we're going to appeal to the standard of how many people like it or agree with it or aren't confused, at this point, you know, what I said to somebody is like, well, at this point, between Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, over a thousand people have agreed with this, which means that by your standard, far more people right. are not confused by it than are confused by it. So, even by your standard, your point doesn't make any sense. Well, then I was told I was arrogant. And I'm just like, well, I think it would be arrogant for me to only be willing to say something if everybody agreed with me. That's not the standard. That's not the standard for speech. That's not the standard for what's right. And so what we're appealing to is what is your standard for when you determine something is right or wrong or good or valuable? Because ultimately, if your standard is how other people respond or what other people are thinking about it, you're going to be in for a really rough time. Right. And you're just you're living in opposition to what is real. Um, and we're not supposed to do that. We have been convinced that we should do that because it pro- like I was talking about earlier, it protects some. Well, really, what it does is it conveys some sort of love and care for the person that is talking to you. But that is not Does it? a listening ear yeah. is not the love of the Bible. Right. Certainly a listening ear in a certain, in a certain context is loving. 
Yeah. Completely. Yeah. But it is not loving yeah. to hear someone to to give an ear mm-hmm. to someone that is speaking utter garbage mm-hmm. and then pretend as though they are not speaking utter garbage. Mm-hmm. If someone puts a plate of garbage in front of you at the dinner table, your reaction mm-hmm. <laughs> can be genuine. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm not eating this. This isn't food. Can you imagine how mm-hmm. silly it would be to pick up your fork and start eating Garbage. garbage so someone's you, feelings were right, hurt. So that everyone still felt like a human at the table. Right. This, speaking this of garbage, <laughs> this is what's been taught to us. Yeah. That you have to respect other people so much that you can, that you let them eat garbage. Yeah. Well, and, and then at the end of the day, it's like, it, that's, that isn't even, if we're going to, again, if we're going to define things the way God does, that's not even respecting somebody because... When somebody thinks garbage is food, you actually disrespect them by letting them eat garbage. Right. Yes. Bec- on a, on the image on the basis of the image of God. Yeah. On the basis of feelings, sure, go ahead and do that. But again, this is like what standard are you appealing right. to? And a lot of times we're just not we're not willing to be disliked mm-hmm. for doing the right thing. We're not willing to say something that people might make someone uncomfortable, even if it should be said. Yeah. Because we've been told that that is unloving and it's not right. But I think what is right is so often so black and white. And what our culture has trained people to do, and I see this all the time, I can I, I've, I can see it in my own life and just ways that I've had to like kill this, is like if there's an issue that is very clearly a matter of right and wrong, like abortion, what people want to do first is upfront. They don't want to acknowledge what has God said? What is his standard? What is the black and white issue here? What they want to do is first give you, here's 10 reasons why I know it's going to be so hard for you to obey what is right and wrong. Here's all the reasons why I understand that it's so hard to do the right thing. And we put so much emphasis on that as opposed to just like, no, here's what you should do. Right. Here's what should be done. Here's what is good. Here's what is true. It's like, oh, well, you know, I know that you feel this way and I know you're afraid of that. And I know this might happen and there's this fear and there's this problem. We put so much emphasis on that instead of saying, hey, you should not murder your baby. When that is really what a woman needs to hear. Right. That is cut through all of it. Right. A woman needs to be told, you should not murder your baby. You are going to be the mother. You're going to be a mother right. of a dead Regardless. child. Yep. Now, do do churches and the people out at the mill follow that up with like, we'll help you, we'll adopt your baby? Yes. And that's good and right. Yeah. But that isn't primary. Because the primary problem a woman seeking an abortion has isn't that she doesn't want to give up her baby for adoption. Right. That's not the primary problem. Right. And you're not addressing the primary problem. Right. Yes. And you should be. Yeah. And I think the way that, so for example, I think the way that Christians can um, ha- have taken on this in a much less insidious way, but still problematic right? yes. way. Is um, something I've been talking about. I know I talked about this at some point in, couple, in the last couple of weeks is just we get a lot of emails, questions. Um, how do you, how do you, you, like people will say, 
you know, I wasn't raised in a Christian home and I was public schooled or I, you know, I just didn't have a, any sort of like worldview or apologetic training, but now I have kids and I want them to have that. That's good. That's not a problem. Okay. You should have, that's great. I hope you want that for your kids. What a desire for your kids. Wonderful. (laughs) Great desire. Great question. The question is like, how do I like, what books would you recommend or what study would you recommend Mm -hmm. or what this or what that? And I'm here to tell you guys, I think people ask me because I think people often ask me because of who my dad is. Right. They just assume that I had that worldview training. I had that apologetic training that as a he kid. taught it to you in a class yes. format, in some sort of organized yes. format. And whenever people ask me this question, I'm totally stumped because I think the answer is actually extremely obvious. But the thing is, is it's really hard. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of effort. So I will tell you what my dad did. Okay. This is what my dad did for 18 years. Here it is. Y'all ready? Okay. He talked to me every day, all the time, about literally everything. He put in 18 years. He put in 18 years of talking to me about everything all the time. He took me to... And I'm sure you didn't always make it easy (laughs) on him. Sure I didn't. You know what? He didn't make it easy on me. <laughs> um, but my dad never sat me down with a systematic theology. Right. There were no like specific kids books that he right. forced me to read. Now, did my dad often throw books at me and be like, hey, this is good. Right. Yeah. Did he make me read anything? Never. Not once. Not once was my dad like, here's your assigned reading. Write a paper on it. Turn it in. We're going to chat about it. Not once. When I had to go to his church history classes and sit in the back and I was 10, he was never like, take notes. Tell me what you heard. Like, that never happened. What happened was my dad talked to me about everything all the time, every day. And that that's what, here's the deal. That's what your kids need. They need you. Yeah. Your kids are going to learn the faith the same way that you do. Right. And that's going to be going to church, prayer, Bible reading, and being raised by their parents and not the TV and not the public school system and not other parents that you're farming these things out to and not primarily their Sunday school teacher. Did I have great Sunday school teachers? Yes. Um, But it's going to be... And here's here's why I think this falls under the common sense umbrella is that I think parents instinctively know that what their kids need is them primarily and not a program. But at the end of the day, it's so much easier to hand them a book than right. to put or, in 18 or years. Or follow a few steps. Like if I just do this, this and this, I know I can... Which, I mean, I'm all for the systematic types out there. If you want to create a, if you want to create a way to do that, that works for you, if you need, yeah, however that, but ultimately what that ends up looking like is just common sense shows that at the end of all the programs and the books and the lecture series and the video series, it was you putting in the time. Yeah. It was the parent involvement. Yeah. And we all know this. Yeah. But it's like, I can't. Here's like eight reasons why I can't. Here's eight reasons why it's hard for me. And it's like, you know, at the end of the day, 
there are, I think about like, yeah, there is something really fantastic and magical about being multiple generations downstream from someone who is faithful. But it is totally an excuse to be like, well, I'm the first Christian, therefore I can't. That's not true. I mean, you know, talking that's about how, that's how stuff sits and stagnates and rots. Mm-hmm. That's how you get yeah. a broken culture yeah. from a culture that was whole and biblical. Right. Is you get generations of people mm-hmm. who decide that's not my responsibility. Not my job. That's not my duty. Or if it is my duty, if I'm confronted by the fact that it is my duty, I feel like it shouldn't be. Yep. Because it's extra hard for me. I think about um, Jim Wilson. Yeah. Who was a first generation Christian. Yep. And he was faithful mm-hmm. with what he had. And now his grandchildren live multiple generations removed from his faithfulness. Yep. Look what he did there. Yep. And there, there's so many stories of Christians throughout church history who did not come from a With Christian a diversity family. of of personality types, intellect, preferences, Location, resources, yeah. all of those things. And so I just think, I think we ha- we have to let go of this mindset that pri- primarily my focus is on all the things that are in my way, all the reasons why this is extra hard for me, and you need to get over it and do the right thing. And I think. One of the best things that my dad did for me as a kid was when I had some problem, emotional, whatever Mm -hmm. issue, my dad was never like, honey, I understand all the 12 reasons why this is difficult. He would say, hey, in the situation you're in, here's the right thing to do. It was that simple. Yeah. Here's here's the right thing to do. Um, sometimes here's why it's the right thing to do. A lot of times here's what it is. Here's why it's right. The a period, like right. period at the end of the story. And at this point you're either going to, you're going to do the right my thing. instruction yeah. or you're going to rebel. Against or you're it. not, but here's the right thing. It's very clear. We have like, so stripped. I feel like we've so, we have stripped the concepts and words of obedience and rebellion mm-hmm. of all meaning. Mm-hmm. And it's because we want to do whatever we want to do. Yeah. We don't want any authority over us. No. So we have stripped all meaning. It's like, well, you don't really obey or rebel. You could, there's like kind of another option. Yeah. Oh, it's the like, third way is them is crazy. No, it's pretty for, for most of the things you're doing. It's extremely black and white. Yeah, I am so tired of the insistence that there's just nuance to everything you're doing. Right. Um, situational ethics are not nuance. Um, having to read the room you're in and then make a wise choice is not an issue of nuance. And I think a lot of Christians, they want to add shades of meaning yeah. where there ought not be. It's extremely black and white. And that was the best thing that my dad did for me mm-hmm. you know he didn't need he didn't need to write a systematic theology when he bought me my first ipod he was like hey here's your ipod um if you're foolish you could put a lot of garbage music on here that's not good for you and if you're wise you're gonna put stuff on here that's actually gonna edify you he didn't have to write me a paper on right. that and here's the thing as a 16 year old i absolutely knew what the garbage was that I could put on there and what the wisdom was that I, I didn't, mm-hmm. he, and he, I didn't need that. 
And so I think a lot of Christians, we have so bought into the lie that everything is nuanced and people just don't understand. And it's like, actually, we all have a conscience and we're made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And you you can't go along. You just can't go along with this idea that no one knows. And just like you said earlier, yeah. no, I, I don't actually have to. There is no tract I can write. If you think murdering unborn children is an issue of nuance, there is no tract I can write. Now, would it be wrong to write a tract on that? Not necessarily. No. But it's not about writing the tract. People already know that murder is wrong. Right. This is a basic, almost universal belief. When it comes to this this issue, we've bought the nuanced story. Right. So, for example, when I say it's ridiculous that Christians are saying that we need to make abortion unnecessary. Mm-hmm. A lot of Christians are confused by that. But let's apply this to another area. Should we have conferences about making rape unnecessary? Most people would be like, oh, how could you say something so filthy and disgusting? Yeah. Rape is never necessary. And that's when I want to go, uh-huh. Yeah. And then killing your unborn child, that's sometimes necessary. Well, and then the response is, well. Some people think that. And it's like, well, some people think rape is necessary. The point is, what's your standard? Right. Because by by nature, by the light of nature, we know rape is wrong. Yes. And by by definition, unnecessary, unthinkable, unimaginable. Okay. Mm-hmm. By nature, abortion is unnecessary. Absolutely. Unthinkable. Absolutely. And unimaginable. And if you capitulate... And say, well, some people think it is. Some people think it is thinkable. Some people think they need to commit an abortion. My answer is, so what? That person doesn't need a seat at the table. No, they don't. They need to be kicked out. Out of the table. And it's like, well, what? Okay, fine. What if someone thinks rape is necessary? Or do we capitulate and say, okay, fine. That's our standard. Let's fight against that. No. As Christians, the standard is what is true. What is right. Right. And you lead with that. And well, and it's and it's all goes back to authority. We know that those things are true because they have been authored. (laughs) By the author. By the author. Yeah. (laughs) And so and so to ultimately what you're doing is you're not just denying a general authority. You are tiptoeing around. You're being a rebellious child. Mm-hmm. Like the conversation, the the example with you and your dad, he gave you two options and it's not, did you pick the right thing every single time? Right. No. But so what would, we'd be looking, this is, okay. So imagine a situation where you pick the wrong thing, mm-hmm. but then you look back at your dad and you go, no, I'm going to tell you all the reasons, authority, father figure, who's here for wisdom to teach me, to disciple me. I'm right. going to tell you right. why the wrong thing was actually right for me. Right. So you're not just like dancing around some weird hatred for authority because everyone is so rebellious. You're actually, you 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 are not defining properly 
what is authority Mm -hmm. and where it comes from Mm -hmm. because you are you're trying to look at the author and say well I understand what you're saying I'm gonna author a different I get it I heard it but yeah I'm the author I'm gonna author a different I'm gonna tell you why reality it's it's, that wrong is right for me yes and and here we go here's your first opportunity to practice your common sense what's wrong with the phrase I'm gonna tell you why what's wrong is right for me yeah it's common sense wrong and right are not the same thing (laughs) and so and I just think that there is a there's faithfulness and accountability for yourself and for others for to not pretend right like things that are common sense and obvious are not so common sense and obvious. Yeah. And we should treat them that way. And I'm not saying that it's like empowering, but it is glorifying to God because I'm not, we're not on that self-empowerment, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) But so it is, it's faithful because it recognizes God as God and the ultimate authority. And it is, uh, it's working out your salvation. You are giving yourself you need to be telling yourself, just like your dad did to you, we have to say to ourselves, like, here's the right thing and here's the wrong thing. And right. we need to be willing to say, I picked this. Right. And just be honest. And when you're honest with yourself, right. th- so much spiritual growth comes from just being honest, even, and I'm not saying this is the, the <laughs> this is preferential by any means, but it is more honest to say, I'm doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Then try to say, I'm going to tell you why wrong is right for me. Yes. I'm doing all the wrong things. And here's the reasons why it's okay for me to do that. I would encourage you. Like I said, please don't do this without repenting. (laughs) But I would encourage you to just say, yeah, I'm doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Just be honest about it. Instead of dressing it up as something that it's not, just be honest. Like, yes, I'm doing what I know I ought not because that's what I want to do is a much more honest position. And obviously I think the question that would come up then would just be like, well, what about people who've been given over to a debased mind? Um, What about, you know, the Romans one, like the people who practice evil, like can't your conscience be seared? And I would say, yes, we're primarily talking to Christians in this episode, people who have the Holy spirit who ought to know better. But even so, I would say all human beings are made in the image of God and their conscience testifies against them. The very fact that that rapists commit rape and try to hide it yes. testifies that they know right, right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And um, the fact that, you know, a lot of people will say, well, if you outlaw abortion, like it's just going to happen in back alleys. And it's like, yeah, that's where murders happen. Right. People hide murders because they know it's wrong to right. murder. I don't. There's not. You could sit and tell me all day that you think murder is right. I don't believe you. Right. And that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Stop believing that wrong is right. Right. <laughs> Stop it. Right. Stop it. Right. For yourself, for your brother, for your family. Right. Stop. Yeah. And ultimately, at the end of the day, what you believe, if you find yourself having to nuance everything you're doing, 
or calling it other things or making excuses, I think that also testifies against your conscience that you know. Right. This is not what I should have done. Right. And you need to be careful because what you practice will dull your conscience. Yes. It will set you in a pattern of sin that it's not that the work of the Holy Spirit can't undo it in your life, but it's going to be painful. Mm -hmm. It can be really difficult when you've, what you practice is what your muscle memory becomes. Right. That is your practice. That is what's easy to you. That's what you, when you react, that's how you react. And the spirit absolutely sanctifies us and can break us out of those things, but it takes work. And it can take time. And, you know, I think all of us Christians can think of a sin that, you know, maybe when we first became saved, like that just died for us. Of course, we can think of sin patterns that were not difficult. But I really believe the sin pattern of not even acknowledging your sin and naming it something else, calling it something else. Mm -hmm. Calling um, it good. Calling it good. Excusing it. uh, Dressing it up as something that it's not. Like... That is life damaging stuff. And like I said, sometimes it's those subtle things. It's the subtle things of like, I have this good desire to train my kids, but I haven't been doing it because I don't know how is an excuse. Because ultimately, if you're faithful and you're in the church, there's other people that you could be asking for help, asking for ideas, asking for direction. But even just the Bible tells us, uh, I think Deuteronomy eleven nineteen is what I'm thinking of. Uh, he says, teach them, talking about his law, teach them to your children. And he says how to do it right here. This is what my dad did. Speaking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up, write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. Like these are all like, this is how you do it. Mm-hmm. You speak about them. total immersion constantly mm-hmm. speaking. This verse tells you right here exactly what my dad did. He was constantly speaking about God's word when we were at home, when we were out before bedtime, when we woke up on the way to school, like in everything that we did. It, this is it's not complex. This is actually right. how simple it is. And if you've read your Bible, like it's right there. And so I don't mind questions of like, well, how and what does that look like? Mm-hmm. That's fine. But that's the kind of stuff you should be getting if you really don't know. That's the kind of stuff that there's really no excuse for you not to be getting from your elders and from people at church. Yeah. That's and, really a better place to for people to actually. I mean, that's your pastor's job. Don't. Yeah. Please don't give anyone else that. Not against catechism job. books. I'm not against apologetics books. I'm not against homeschool books. I'm not against great curriculum. That's all great. But you actually already have the answer. Mm-hmm. And scripture says that we have all that we need for life and godliness. We've been given it. Right. Do you believe that? Yeah. Or are you making excuses for not doing this? Or have you put some weird standard on yourself that's like, if I don't, if I'm not mm-hmm. the type of dad James White yeah. was, which uh, James White was not my dad. But I had a great dad. Right. <laughs> like it's uh, it, like that's that's not what it's it's don't if you have set if you have this expectation that you need to know all the answers to every question 
and you could never get it wrong. Right. Um, even though getting something wrong and then repenting and clarifying can also be a massive sanctifying and educational moment <laughs> for your kids Absolutely. and for you. Yeah. Um, that's just not you've you're tr- you're the reason why you're not actually able to achieve your goal is because you have an unrealistic standard for what that needs to look like. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't, I just, uh, I want to, it's not, I don't know. I don't want it to come across the wrong way mm-hmm. <laughs> because in a way it like the word that I keep wanting to use is like, f- it frees you. Mm. Um, but again, I don't want there to be this idea that there's some like kind of self empowerment message in this common sense episode. If it, when you trust the author, mm-hmm. the authority, mm-hmm. you are free. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think about this in, <laughs> in context of um, evangelism. Right. Uh, okay. When you are just faithful. Yeah. And you speak the truth and you do what Jesus has said as far as sharing the gospel, speaking to your neighbors, loving your neighbor as yourself. You don't actually have to worry about the outcome. And that is freeing. Right. Right. So the reason we evangelize to everybody is that we believe that God is going to do what he is going to do. It's not up to I someone's salvation is not dependent on my absolute perfect delivery of the good news. Mm -hmm. Now, do I care about my delivery? Of course. Yeah. But ultimately, you're called to do what's right. Not you're not in charge of how people react to it. Yeah. You, what if I give somebody the gospel and they spit in my face? Like, hallelujah! It that's probably not because I said it poorly. It's yeah. probably because they hate the gospel. Right. Um. Same thing with my interaction online. Like, if I said something true that I felt needed to be sh- needed to be said, and some people didn't get it, like. That's not my responsibility. Right. I am not in charge of how other people react. I'm in charge of being faithful when I speak and doing it how the Lord has told me to do it. And a lot of people just, you know, I hear all the time, if someone will say, oh, this situation happened and it's a bad situation. And I'll be like, well, what did you do? Well, I didn't do anything because it wouldn't have changed the outcome. Excuse me? Like, you're not called to the outcome. Right. You're not God. Yeah. You're called to faithful action in the moment. So the only question you need to ask yourself is, what would the faithful action in that moment have been, regardless of the outcome? And people just don't think that way anymore. Well, we're not, we're not used to having to really sacrifice much. Yeah. For what? Like we've kind of gotten away with it, but our the really stunted church and stunted culture that we live in shows that getting away with it has not worked well. No, finding ways to sacrifice little or skirting sacrifice at all mm-hmm. in order to like achieve an objective or a mission. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's become 
pretty obvious and we need to be willing to we need to be willing to sacrifice oh yeah to do far the, more than to we do, have been. well because that i mean well and that's another that's just the area where a lot of excuses come up you know right like it, like a sacrifice is required and i need to tell you why i can't do it i can't make that sacrifice but i really still want the thing that requires a sacrifice but i'm just not willing to do the sacrifice because of a b and c right um right but there is very there is very little i would say i mean because i can't think of every instance known to man ever <laughs> you can't why not i would say all okay <laughs> so f- but right. there is very little that is uh worth value that is worthwhile that doesn't require sacrifice sacrifice yeah that doesn't require you doing something that you could list three reasons why that would be hard for you but you need it doesn't to do it yeah like and i think you used to say this a lot and i think about it sometimes still just like when you're standing before God and you have to give an account for everything you've said and everything that you've done, are you going to want to say, are you going to want to give those three reasons why it was extra hard for you? Like, Lord, I know the faithful response would have been blah, but here's but, why that was harder but for I, me. But I was abused though. Right. And I I really do mean that in every sense, like, Every little excuse from like, well, I'm just not a morning person to I was horrifically abused. Right. Like those, those excuses all seem really <laughs> valid outside of the presence of God. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> Can you imagine having to say that to the Lord of the universe? Right. I'm not a morning person. Oh, just the best. You wouldn't. Your mouth would be shut. You Exactly. You wouldn't say it. That's the point. Right. Is you're willing to say that to other people and you're willing right. to say that to yourself, but you're not going to say no. that. No. You will not be able to. To the Lord. No. You're not going to be able to look at Jesus and say that. And that's that's why it should it should stop you from saying it now. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I just think about Moses, who who did have the guts to say, like, but I'm poor. I'm a poor, stammering, like, yeah. I stutter, you know, whatever. And it's like, watch what I'm going to do with you. Oh, do you think I picked the wrong person? <laughs> right. 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 And he only had to say that to, like, a burning bush. Can you imagine <laughs> sitting before the throne and having to say... I'm sure the bush was terrifying, by the way. I'm Which, not, yes. I'm not making commentary. No. I'm sure it was horrifying and very just. But it was not God. Right. The burning bush was not like the full. The full glory <laughs> of, yes. Um, he was able to be in front of it. Um, so anyway, all that to say. Um, yeah. I mean, I think we've said everything that needs right. to be said on that topic. I guess this is more on kind of excuses for not know, doing kind of... what you ought but i think it's just such it's such a recurring theme well it but it is it is common sense it the more you practice uh or the more you cut out excuse making and the more you practice faithfulness the right and the wrong becomes so clear become very clear it becomes so clear and honestly you really do need to practice it i'm not saying like if you don't know everything i know well <laughs> hmm right 
stinks to be you. That's not what I'm saying. Right. But I, by the grace of God, I have had the opportunity to practice and I have seen much growth. Practice, practice what's right and what's wrong. Especially when it's hard. Right. Like when it, when it's easy, there's no excuse. Yeah. But if you're not willing to do what's right when it's easy, then when yeah. the when it's mm-hmm. hard, you're definitely not going to be able to do it. Yeah. And I do think a reason why this keeps coming up just in our conversations and in the conversation just at large in the culture is that we live in a culture that does not believe that what is true is true. Right. And even Christians are having a really easy time getting swept up into that. Yes. Yeah. It's totally uh, coherent according to their worldview. Right. That right and wrong can be the same thing. Right. But don't you <laughs> yeah. buy into that. Right. Because that's foolish. And that sends people uh, to an eternity without God. Yeah. Judgment. Yes. Well, well, now that we've, I mean, ending the episode on judgment, you know, sometimes no better way. I mean, (laughs) what we, what you could all take away from this episode (laughs) is that if you need pillow recommendations, (laughs) I have a guy for you. We really just (laughs) talked about so many things. Nobody tell my dad. Okay. Don't send him this episode. You know someone. Someone's gonna, gonna do t- it. Send a timestamp. We're not gonna be friends anymore. You can. Like, we'll know who you are. Yeah, I'll know. He'll tell you me. Think, yeah, you think your dad's? You, not you gonna think tell he's her? not gonna tell me? He's gonna. If tell you me. think he's your friend, <laughs> yeah, he's more. You should see how much of friends we are. Also, he just doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, he's like, mm, let me tell you what this, what happened. <laughs> I don't have time for any secret games, okay? <laughs> All right, you can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475, and we will see you all next week. See ya. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Oh, pray.